Yeah, as I, as I walk into this uh, building, it, it does bring back memories. Uh, one in particular I thought you guys would <laughs> enjoy hearing is, uh, I don't know if they still do it or not, but for a number of years there, they would encourage people in the fellowship to bring donations for VBS, you know, like snacks and juice and that kind of thing. And so one well-meaning elderly lady a few years back brought in some things, and it was, as we looked at it a little closer, it was two cases of prune juice. <laughs> and so obviously, <laughs> we didn't use it for VBS, but I can, re I can remember one morning early as John and I were getting communion ready, we were like, We're praying for regular Christians. <laughs> so, so <laughs> that's right. Among, among many other reasons, right? <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to talk to a guy at work that uh, hadn't seen him for a while. He used to go to Calvary Chapel years ago and goes to another church uh, in Fort Collins now, but he asked me, and it's kind of the same question you get a lot. Some of you guys have asked me that today, and I appreciate you guys inquiring about uh, Calvary Birthed and how it's going. And, but he's one of these type of guys that just, he wants to dig deeper. You know, he wants more information. And so he says to me, how are things going in Birthed? I said, hey, they're going good. You know, God, God's blessing, it's just, it's just been great. And then he says that question that all church plant pastors love to hear, well, are you growing? To which I said, yeah, I am. I am growing, uh, growing a lot, actually. Thank you. Appreciate that. And he said, no, I mean, are you getting bigger? Well, yeah, I gained a little bit over the winter, you know, but I hope to work it off playing golf and stuff. And he goes, no, 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 no. How big is the church? It's about 3,000 square feet, you know, but we're, we're getting ready to expand into another area, add another 100 square feet, you know. Uh, for those of you that don't do math very well, it's just like 10 by 10. So it's not, it's not a big expansion, but it's for, you know, it's for the right purpose. And he says, no, okay, when you get up to preach on Sunday morning and you look out over the sanctuary, what's the head count? One for each person. I, why do you have two-headed people in your congregation? <laughs> I just don't really want to go there. You know, how many people do you have? How many people do you have going to your church now? You know, that's kind of just between us as it is. We're blessed with what we have. Quite honestly, every Sunday morning, we're just like surprised. Not, the people just come, period. That some come back, period. <laughs> we get together and pray every morning before the service. And, you know, that prayer of pastors, Lord, we just want the people to be here this morning that you want here. That's what we're saying in our minds. We're going, please bring more people. <laughs> please. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> so we're a small church. I'll just put that out there this morning. When we started the church, when we planted the church, it was never our plan to be a mega church. And it's worked out just like we planned so far. <laughs> so you know. <laughs> but... We are so blessed to be there and be able to minister to the people of that community and surrounding communities. This morning, if you will, turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18, and the title that I've given this teaching, as you can see in your uh, handout there, is Take Your Pick. 
So throughout the whole day, John has already, if you've seen John has already shared, uh, we're talking about choosing and how in our Christian walk, we have those opportunities to choose this or choose that. So think about this. Typical day, I don't know what time you guys get up in the morning. I get up very early. I found that if you go to bed really early, you can get up really early. <laughs> it works for me. So 4 a.m., the alarm sounds. First choice of the day. Turn it off or put it on snooze. Second choice, get out of bed or stay in bed. Third choice, shower first or coffee first. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> Fourth choice, maybe boxers or briefs. Maybe for some of you, depends. I don't know. But, <laughs> no. But to order these as it relates to you, to me, that whole schedule that's going on in our morning might change, but it's probably the same for most part. We're in bed, we gotta get up, and we have a, a routine that we're in. What does that routine include? How many decisions does a person make in an average day? It's, it's you know, nearly impossible to give an exact answer to that, of course, because our brains, they make dozens of decisions every single second through all situations and all reactions that we uh, come up against during the course of our day. We have impulsive and logic thinking going on where more complex decisions are made. But according to multiple sources on the internet, so it's gotta be true, right? The average amount of conscious decisions an adult makes each day averages to be about 35,000 decisions and choices. That averages out to over 2,000 decisions or choices we make every waking hour of the day. A lot of decisions going on, a lot of choices. And some of our choices consist of choosing from many different things, and some are choosing from just one thing or another. Here are your two choices. Pick one or the other. Take your pick of one of these two things. Even during our break after John's teaching, walked into the restroom, had to make a choice. Urinal on the right or urinal on the left? As it turns out, it was a pretty easy choice since somebody was already at the urinal on the right. But the list can be endless, can it? Take your pick. Big, big choices in life, take your pick. Raised donut or cake donut? Sweet tea or unsweet tea? And even in this conference itself, Jeff had a choice of who else he wanted to speak besides John and himself. See, I don't know that I was the first choice. Personally, I think it got down to me or Pastor Ed, and obviously Ed wasn't available. So you got what you got. Okay, <laughs> And in all of these things, as we know, there can also be consequences to that choice we make, can't there? Which, ironically, Jeff is probably just now realizing <laughs> consequences of his choice. But we have to make many choices. And many times it's the one or the other type choice. 
As you already know, the theme of this men's conference is Choose This Day. And so now this morning, getting to the text that I was assigned, because I didn't get to choose it, which seems to me totally contradictory to the whole theme to start with, but anyhow, turn, turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. Ironically enough, it's right before 2 Kings. So 1 Kings chapter 18. And we won't be reading the whole chapter, but for the sake of time, I'm going to summarize to get us to the main verse of the text that we have for us this morning. As you're in 18, if you look at chapter 17, real quickly, verse 1, it says, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. So that leading into what we're going to be looking at in chapter 18, they're in the middle of a drought. They're in the middle of a dry time. They're desperately wanting rain. So Israel had gone more than three years without rain as a judgment for their idolatry. The prophet Elijah confronts the evil king Ahab and challenges him to a spiritual showdown, if you will. The king was to have all of Israel gather at Mount Carmel along with the 450 prophets of the false god Baal and 400 prophets of the false goddess Asherah. And on Mount Carmel, Elijah said to the people of Israel, How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. The people remained noncommittal at that point. Elijah then challenged the prophets of Baal to prepare a bull as an offering for their God. And then Elijah would do the same with this catch, though. They could not light no fire on their altar. The God who answered with fire from the sky would be considered the true God. Now the people agreed that this was a good plan, and the prophets of Baal went first. These pagan prophets cried out and danced around their altar from morning till noon with no answer from Baal. Elijah even began to mock them, saying, I'd love to hear that. Wouldn't you like to be there as Elijah starts this? Surely he's a God. Perhaps he's deep in thought or busy or traveling. Maybe he is sleeping and must be awakened. I don't know what or how Elijah actually said that, but uh, I'm sure he was poking fun at him a little bit, don't you? But he was speaking the truth about this false god that they were worshiping. So the prophets of Baal shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears, as was their custom, the scripture says, until their blood flowed. Midday passed. They continued in this frantic prophesying until the time for the evening sacrifice. But despite hours of effort, nothing happened. The text hints at the emptiness of this Baal worship. It says in verse 29, there was no response, no one answered, no one paid attention. Elijah then called the people to him as he repaired the altar of the Lord. He used 12 stones and dug a trench around the altar. Because of their idolatry, they had torn down a lot of the altars in Israel. So this one had to be rebuilt. So Elijah, some people rebuilt it. It says he placed wood on the altar and laid the cut pieces of the bull on it. Elijah then had the people douse the altar with 12 large jars of water. The water soaked 
the sacrifice and the wood and filled the trench. Think about that. Everything's soaked with water. Doesn't look like it's going to be real good for getting this thing to catch on fire, does it? Well, once the sacrifice was ready, Elijah prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me. So these people will know that you, Lord, are God and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then God did what Baal could never do. The fire of the Lord fell from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and also licked up the water in the trench. The people of Israel then bowed down and declared the Lord as God. Elijah then commanded the people to put the prophets of Baal to death in keeping with God's command that we find in Exodus 22. And then following this event, the Lord finally ended the drought and set rain upon the land. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for what's contained in it for application in our lives. A lot of things going on in this text, Father, but I believe in my heart that you'd have us focus on this one verse this morning. And Lord, I pray that as we look at this, as we dissect it, as we digest it, Lord, that you would speak to us and apply it in a way, uh, Lord, that we would use even as we're in this place today and as we leave this place uh, to wherever we go after this conference. So Lord, bless our time of study, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the key verse for us here this morning, and I believe every morning of our lives, as we also have this choice to make concerning each day, is found in verse 21. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? The Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him, not a word. How long will you falter between two opinions? What are the two opinions? Well, he says, if the Lord is God, follow him, but if Baal, follow him. So it's this choice between God or Baal, or Baal being the world. To put it in a modern sense for us, a modern tense, is follow God or follow the world. Those two opinions. And Elijah here is asking all of Israel, how long? He's basically saying, you've been in this particular state of mind and heart for some time now. When are you going to change? How long will you continue to be like this, knowing God and knowing the world and trying to please or be fulfilled in both? Pastor Jeff has said many times over the years, you can have too much of the world in you to enjoy the Lord, too much of the Lord in you to enjoy the world. There's truth in that, isn't there, guys? We know that to be true. Elijah is saying, how long will you continue in this condition? You say you're a Christian, you say you're walking with the Lord, but your walk with the Lord is severely lacking or handicapped by trying to live out this dual focus. In the different translations that you have, I don't know how many translations of the Bible we have represented here today, but this word, how long will you falter, is different in the different translations. And some of them it's a falter, some of them it's waver, and some it's hesitate, some it's waver and hobble. 
And a couple of them, which as I looked and found it in the original Hebrew, it was actual, actually a limp or limping. I found that really interesting. Think about that. Just limping along in your walk with the Lord. Limping along. I don't mean that from the physical sense. There are some that have problems with knees and hips and feet and whatever. Uh, as you get older, those things uh, happen. And so there might be this physical limp you're dealing with. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking in a spiritual sense, limping along in our walk with the Lord because of this divided focus that we are dealing with. Having a desire to walk in the Lord and yet still having a desire to walk in the world. Limping along between the two. Written here in our text as two opinions. Trying to live out your walk in two ways that are in direct opposition to one another. The world's way and God's way. Now if you look up the definition of opinion as it is in Webster's, it says a view or judgment formed about something but not necessarily based on fact or knowledge. We all have opinions, don't we? We have opinions about all sorts of things. Some of them wind up being correct. Some of them do not. That's why they're opinions. And guys, each and every day of our lives, we have one overriding, life-giving choice to make. On this day, this day, am I going to walk in the ways of the Lord based on what I know about Him, or am I going to walk in the ways of the world based on what I know about it? Are we basing our opinion on these two things truly on the facts about what each one has to offer or what we perceive that each one has to offer? Which one is more attractive to us? Take your pick. Asking ourselves that question, the first question that I believe we need to answer each and every day, first thing, today, am I going to have a Lord focus? Or today, am I going to have a world focus. It's a conscience, intentional decision that we do make each day one way or the other. It happens. How many of you have gone through your day, gets to be about mid-morning, and then a thought hits you or something touches your heart and you're just like, oh yeah, the, the Lord. Now, I say that with some jest, that that does happen in our lives. But it is serious too, isn't it? That we have gone from the point that we got up to this point before we really gave any recognition to the Lord in our lives. We have that choice. Understanding these, these things are two total opposites. Do you wake up in the morning with a Doris Day mentality? Que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be. For you younger guys, Doris Day. <laughs> yeah, we won't go there. She's old now. But that was a song that she sang. Kesarasara, whatever will be, will be. Do you go throughout your day? Do you start your day and move forward through your day with that attitude? Are you stuck in a mundane morning routine of, follow me on this, get up, get coffee, Get the news, get a shower, get to work. Next day, get up, get coffee, get the news, get a shower, get to work. Next day, get up, 
get coffee, get the news. You see where I'm going with this? We can get ourselves into a routine that's not a healthy routine at all, is it? Missing out on that valuable, precious time that we could have with the Lord before we start our day. Uh, one, one of the Calvary pastors, John Corson, uh, in his uh, commentaries, t tells the story of that even himself as a pastor, this is a guy that all of us probably look up to to some degree, gets so busy with the ministry that he used to have a morning routine of this uh, living room area in his house. He would go in, sit in front of the fireplace on the couch, and just spend time with Jesus. Spend time with Jesus, sitting there just talking with Jesus, preparing himself for the day. And he tells the story of how some weeks later, he's getting ready to walk out the door of the house and realizes it's been days, almost a week, since he's done that. That routine was broken up by just the things of the world, the busyness, the things that were going on. And he said, but I was comforted because I turned and he said, I could just see Jesus and his love sitting patiently waiting for that time for me to come back to him. And he said, I turned around and went back in and spent time with Jesus. We get in our routine. We know that our routine needs to be disciplined. We know that we need to be spending time with the Lord. And we don't. And then we wonder, why am I limping along in my walk with the Lord? Why am I going through this dry time? What are you, what am I doing daily by choice to strengthen our walk with the Lord? To get us out of that limping condition. How do we break that pattern in our lives? How do we get out of that limping condition that we're in and start walking strong in the Lord each day? Well, I know I'd certainly be remiss to point all this out and not give some instruction from God's Word. So turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And we're going to look specifically at verses 6 and 7. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. And it says, as you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now, Paul, as he's writing this, is saying two things right up front to us. He's saying, as therefore you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. I believe that most of us that are gathered here this morning, fall into that category. We've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. As John said earlier, if you haven't done that, you'll have opportunity to do that uh, today. But as therefore, speaking to us as believers, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, what's it say right after that? So walk in Him. So walk in Him. Since you already have a relationship with Christ Jesus the Lord, since you know that you have your assurance of salvation in Him, since you have trusted in Him for eternal life, everlasting life, beyond your life here, then trust in Him in your life here, now, today, each day, and walk in Him. 
Don't walk limping along. Walk in him. You know, growing up in Illinois, it is Illinois, not Illinois, okay? S is silent, Illinois. I was raised knowing of a condition along the Mississippi River that's known as near quicksand. Maybe some of you have heard about it. It's almost quicksand, but not quite. If you keep walking on near quicksand, you don't have a problem. But as soon as you stop, you start sinking. You get stuck in it and you start to sink. So too in our own walk with the Lord, it's critical that we keep walking in Him or what? We start sinking, don't we? So how do we do that? How do we accomplish that? How do we walk strong in the Lord? Well, this, these verses that we have here in Colossians tell us three things. Number one, be rooted in Him. Number two, be built up in Him. And number three, be established in Him. Be rooted in Him, be built up in Him, be established in Him, knowing that these are the three things that Paul says after he says what? Walk in Him. Be rooted, be built up, and be established. So with the first one, be rooted in Him. You don't have to turn there, but Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 7 and 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when the heat comes. But its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. We know that a well-rooted tree is a healthy and strong tree. It's not affected by drought or wind, is it? So too, we need to be rooted in Christ to be nourished in dry times and be strong when the winds of adversity blow in our lives, which is going to happen daily, is it not? It is. So being rooted in Christ to handle whatever the day may bring, being rooted in our walk, asking ourselves each day, what do I want to be? What am I rooted in? Will I walk rooted in the Lord or will I walk rooted in the world? You get to take your pick. Number two, built up in Him. Being built up in Him on His solid foundation. Again, you don't have to turn there, but 1 Corinthians chapter 3 Verses 9 through 11, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. That's the firm foundation the old hymn, some of us probably remembered, how firm a foundation. We are to be built up from a strong, solid foundation. A strong foundation that will not be moved when the world tries to shake us. Being built up with Christ as our foundation. Knowing, of course, 
that the building is an ongoing project. How many of you here would agree with me that you're an ongoing project in the Lord? Huh? For those of you that didn't raise your hands, you have opportunity once again to agree with me on that. Yes, okay, thank you. I want 100% participation in this. <laughs> We're an ongoing project. We're a work in progress, aren't we? We're continuing to be built up. We're continuing to be rooted. Ask yourself each day, what am I built upon? Will I walk built up in the Lord or will I walk built up in the world? You can take your pick. And number three, established in Him. We have, those of that is of us that have accepted Jesus Christ in our, as our Lord and Savior, we have been established in Christ. It speaks of our point of origin as a believer. Where did it begin? God was the initiator. We were and we are to continue to be established in Him and what He's done in us. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should what? Walk in them. We were made by Him. We were created by Him. We were established by Him and for Him. We exist. This is one of these, the statement I'm about to make is one of those moments. Hey, that, was, that was great actually sounded real. We exist. We are who we are and what we are because of His divine will and His divine plan for our lives. Amen? Our purpose for being here, even here today, is by Him and for Him. Ask yourself each day, what am I established in? Will I walk established in the Lord or will I walk established in the world? Again, take your pick. How are you going to walk? How am I going to walk? It's a choice, isn't it? It's, it's your choice. It's my choice. We get to choose each day. Are you going to walk being rooted in Him, being built up in Him, being established in Him? When you start your day, what is your discipline to nourish yourself for that day? What are you taking in to strengthen yourself for that day? Does your diet consist of the latest on Fox News? Or is it a, a diet consisting of necessary time with the Lord? Probably most of us, to some degree, like watching Fox News. I heard a pastor say about a year ago, Maybe we need to all go on a Fox detox. Do you think? Maybe. Just maybe. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus tells the disciples, after they had asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. They desired, they wanted to know how to pray. And when Jesus answered them by saying, when you pray, pray in this manner. It's what we all know that has been called the Lord's Prayer. We know the Lord's Prayer is actually in John 17, but this is the template, the pattern that the Lord had given them and for us to pray. 
And one of the things he has them pray for specifically is give us this day our daily bread. This day, at the start of the day, give us this day our daily bread, which certainly means physical needs. Food, right? We rarely ever neglect our bodies of what is required in physical food, do we? I know I don't. Is anybody with me? That's something that comes very natural to us, isn't it? We like to eat. Most of us are going to make sure that that happens at least three times a day. I'm a big proponent of second breakfast, so for me, it's more than three. But still, physical sustenance is something that we need. We know that. But this verse, give us this day our daily bread, and what it's saying also is it means our spiritual needs as well, isn't it? Sustenance for the day and our spiritual needs. Praying that the Lord will give you, give to you sustenance, physical and spiritual, that's sufficient for the day. That's all we need, isn't it? Here's the day that we have before us. Can't do anything about yesterday. Tomorrow hasn't come yet. I have today. I need physical sustenance sufficient for today. Now, whether it's physical or spiritual, he is ultimately the provider of all that needed sustenance, isn't he? Physical and spiritual, sufficient for the day. Only God truly knows what's needed for the day. Did you ever think about that? That each and every day of our lives is a day that is designed by God and that we get to participate in? Now, think about this, just logically for a second. If God knows what the day holds for each one of us individually, wouldn't it just make sense to take some time and spend with him to kind of get in in line with whatever it is that he has going on for that day? Having the trust and the faith that God's going to lead, guide, and provide throughout that day? We have the ultimate example of that in Jesus Christ himself. Early in the morning, spending time with the Lord. So God only truly knows what's needed for the day. We don't know what the day holds, do we? We have plans. We have an agenda to some degree, but we do not know what the day holds in its entirety, do we? What's going to happen? What's going to take place? The Lord knows that. It's already been determined by him what the day holds for you and me. But he gives us the choice to choose each day how we're going to walk. It's a choice. One that you will, you have to make each day. All of us do. Are we going to walk rooted in Him, built up in Him, established in Him? Or are we on the fence? Have we even committed to one side or the other? Which path will we take? How will we walk? The Lord's way or the world's way? Are we walking, limping along between two opinions? God's way, the world's way? Limping along in our walks, being noncommittal? Colossians 2 tells us in that verse again, it says, as you have been taught. We are fortunate in the Calvary Chapel movement. That's really all I can speak to. 
Uh, you might find this strange, but I don't go to church anywhere else. <laughs> but <laughs> we are fortunate being a part of Calvary Chapel that we know that when we show up at any given time, God's word is going to be proclaimed, isn't it? Paul is saying here, as you have been taught. We have been taught these things, haven't we? All of us. If not, you have today, okay? And it's not over yet. Pastor Jeff's going to come and share as well. But you are going to be taught today that we need to choose. Choose this day. Paul says, as you have been taught. You can't claim ignorance on this, can you? None of us can. It's right here for us. You've been taught these things. You are being taught these things. Walk in these things. Stop limping along between two choices. It's a daily choice. Your choice to make. My choice to make. We get to take our pick, don't we? Will you, will I be committed to walk each day in the Lord? Will we be disciplined to walk each day with the Lord. Elijah said what? If the Lord is God, follow him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, sometimes your word is an encouragement. Sometimes, Lord, you use it for correction. You use it for instruction. You use it for rebuke in our lives. Lord, it's my prayer this morning that it, as we have gathered together as a group of men, impress upon our hearts whatever it is that we need in regards to that, Lord. Use your word to accomplish for the very thing with which you sent it in our lives individually. Lord, let us be accepting of that as we do an honest measurement an accurate measurement of ourselves. Lord, do we need improvement in this area? Do we need to be more disciplined in our walk with you? Lord, we know the answer for all of us is yes. Wherever we are in our walk with you, Lord, we know that we can get better at it. And Lord, we thank you this morning so much, Lord, for your patience with us the mercy and grace that you've shown us. Lord, that you never give up on us, that wherever we are in our walk, you continue to work in us. You continue to further equip us, to, to continue to root us and build us up, to continue in your establish, establishing of us in Christ Jesus. And you do all that, Lord, because you love us. Lord, I know that what we've looked at this morning, even in the way that Elijah was speaking to the people, it can sound harsh. Lord, your truth is never harsh. It's just truth. It's what we need to hear from you because you want the best for us. You're always working on our behalf to improve us, <laughs> to make us a better product if you will, Lord. You do that work in us. And you desire, Lord, to start that work anew and afresh each and every morning of our lives as we come to you in humility, Lord, asking 
proclaiming to you, Lord, that confessing to you, Lord, that we don't know what the day holds. We don't know what's going to happen in the course of the day. We have our plans, but Lord, you have your divine purpose, your divine plan for us. Lord, help us to connect with you, to get more in line with your plan for the day. Lord, as we pray for those opportunities that we have throughout the day to impact the lives of others, praying, Lord, provide those divine opportunities, those divine appointments for us to encourage someone to you or encourage someone in you. We want to be used by you, Lord. So, Lord, as this group of men, as we're gathered here today, Lord, we confess to you, as you already know, that we have failed in this at times. We haven't made that connection with you at the beginning of our day, giving you the first fruits so that we can be strengthened and encouraged in you, Lord, to accomplish the purposes and the plans that you have for us throughout that day. Lord, again, thank you for your patience. Lord, because we know that you will never leave us or forsake us, because that we know that we're still a work in progress as you continue to sanctify us, this group of men together today, corporately, Lord, we submit ourselves to you. We submit ourselves to your authority and to your leading and your guiding, Lord, asking that you would just use us in spite of us, as we've seen you do so many times before. But Lord, we commit ourselves to you on this day to choose you and only you. And give us the strength, Lord, to turn away from the world and its enticements and be focused upon you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time of fellowship together today. We give you all the praise and all the glory for all you do in our lives, Lord. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and everyone said, amen. Amen. God bless, guys.